Oh, good morning. You can be seated. So good to see you this morning. You guys having a good weekend? You guys having a good Sunday morning? How can you not be having a good Sunday morning after a worship service like that? I remember one of my pastors used to say, if you're not burning on fire for Jesus in here, your wood is wet. And I just always love that illustration. You know, I go hard for the King of Kings. I think that's appropriate for me to say. I get crunk. I turn up. I don't turn down. For what? Right? I go in. And a lot of people, uh, they're, they're next to me. They're like, why do you go so hard like that in worship? Like, you offend me. I'm like, you better pray your mansion is not next to mine in heaven. Because you're going to be calling in a ton of public disturbances. Because worship at my house is just going to go around the clock. So I, I love to worship, man. I do. Uh, some of you guys don't know my story. You're new here today. I was saved at 21. And before that, I was uh, just a terrible person. Anybody else in here have a testimony like that? And, uh, and so for me, worship is not something that I take lightly. It's a big deal because Jesus is a big deal in my life. How about you guys? Amen. And I know that he's worthy of everything that we have to give and plus some. So I just want to make sure that I leave it all on the altar. I used to play basketball. They'd say, leave it all on the court. And so, you know, now I come to church, I leave it all on the altar. Hey, you know, I think it's fun, right? How many of you guys know that church is supposed to be fun? Heaven is a very happy place, right? So if you don't think uh, church is supposed to be fun, you're going to be disappointed when you get to heaven. It's going to be a whole lot of joy up there. And, uh, you know, I think that the enemy works very hard to make the church not fun. Honestly, because the Bible says to us that the joy of the Lord is our You guys know that, right? And so why is it that the enemy works so hard to make sure church is not fun? Because he knows that if he can steal our joy, he can steal our strength. Because our joy is actually active strength in our life. And I think that's why church ought to be fun. Because when we come in here, we encourage each other. We're happy. You know, we're hanging out. We're, you know, we're high-fiving and hugging. We're worshiping. And all of that exhorts, edifies, and encourages the body. Right? Because I don't know about you guys. I need the house of God. I need Sunday. Monday through Saturday is sometimes stretching and difficult. But I know that when I get in here and I get around you guys, I get encouraged because I hear your testimonies, hear about the awesome things God is doing in your life, and I'm, I'm lifted up. Yep. How about you guys? Yeah. Last thing I'll say about church. I love church because God likes to show up at church. When I was uh, pursuing my wife, I would put myself purposely in places where I knew she would be. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, I was interested in her, and so I'm like, I'm just going to pretend to show up where I know she's going to be. Oh, didn't know you were going to be here. How's it going? Right? God likes to show up in his house. Amen? And so it's fun just to get where I know God likes to go. Because if I miss, man, and you guys tell me next Sunday about the amazing word that Asaph gave last Sunday or the encounter that you had with God last Sunday, I get jealous, you know. Last week I was in uh, Fairfax, Virginia. I was preaching the gospel there for a dear friend of mine, Alvin Chun. So I thank you guys. Yeah, new song, right? Ivy, you were a part of that church before. It's awesome. So amazing because there's so many people here who've been to that church. And um, thank you, guys. I got to say thank you to my family because you guys release and you bless me. Uh, and Ali to go out and, and share the gospel in other churches. So thank you for that. I missed you guys. We were also in Washington, D.C. We were there this week for the grand opening of something called the Center for National Renewal. All right? And that is a nonpartisan uh, ministry center to minister to people in government. And I want to tell you guys, I was so encouraged by what I saw this past week. Did you know that for 150 years, there's been no regular church service in our Capitol building? Wow. For 150 years. But just this year, in connection with this ministry, they've launched a spirit-filled, spirit-led worship service every single Wednesday night in the Capitol building. Incredible. We heard testimonies about over 100 people in government 
politicians, people in government seats that were coming into that place, getting filled up, worshiping, receiving the word, prophesying over, to, uh, over each other. Are you serious? How amazing is that? That is incredible. I was so encouraged, guys. I got to be honest. I know that our, our country was in, you know, great turmoil because, you know, we... We see, you know, people saying different things or whatever. But I felt like I got to peer behind the scenes at God's heart for our nation's capital. And I got filled up with hope. Honestly, I did. I got filled up with hope. I was like, ah, I ain't going to listen to that mess. I know they're always trying to sow discord and doubt. But I know that Jesus is still on the throne. And he reigns supreme even over Washington, D.C. And despite the division that the enemy's trying to create, I know God is a God of unity. And he can bring us together a lot faster than the enemy can separate us. Amen. So I was just walking the streets of D.C. We were walking the streets of D.C. And, man, we were just releasing a spirit of unity. Releasing a spirit of revival, releasing a spirit of refreshing, and releasing, releasing a fresh passion to the church in Washington, D.C. Because we just believe, man, the church is the hope of the world. I believe that. Do you guys believe that? I believe that, man. Hallelujah. I'm happy to be in the house of God. We were in church yesterday. We were in church yesterday all day. And so I feel like I've been, <laughs> Philip was there, Naomi was there. I feel like I've just been in church for 48 hours straight. I gotta be honest, I'm happy about it. I don't feel like I've stopped preaching. I went to sleep preaching last night. I woke up this morning preaching, forgot my phone at home. I was just so excited. I was like, let's get to the house of God. God's gonna do something today. How many of you guys love the gospel? I love the word of God. You know, it's, we sang about this morning, we'll never be shaken, right? Even, and the Bible teaches us that the word of God is everlasting. It will never wither and die away. And so today we're going to read from the word of God. So if you have your Bible, please take it out. If you have your Bible app on your iPhone, it's a good app to have. We're reading the Bible through in a year altogether. If you have that, just take it out and open it up to John chapter 3, verse 16. Now, I know that you guys all know this passage of scripture very well. It's a famous, most quoted passage of scripture in the Bible. And I want to read it to you this morning and maybe speak to you from this passage from a different angle than you've heard it before. So if you would please just read it out with me all together in concert. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave. Stop right there, please. Let's all say this part together. That he gave. Isn't that fascinating? We see here in the Bible that loving leads us to giving. Do you guys see that? That he gave, come on, uh, his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, hallelujah, but have eternal life. That's the gospel. Amen? That's good news to my soul. How about you? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word that is everlasting. We thank you that, God, it is unshakable truth for our day and our time. It's not an outdated book of history, but it is the living, breathing word of God. It nourishes our soul. It transforms our spirit. It renews our mind. It makes us look more like Jesus. And so today, God, we ask that you would take your word, open up the scriptures to us, and enrich our lives, the fullness of our lives, with your word, God. So we prepare our hearts to receive it. And then lastly, God, I say, anoint me as your vessel to bless the people of God today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. So I'll tell you guys a quick testimony. In 2016, I, I, I feel like I had a breakthrough year as a preacher. In 2016, I celebrated 10 years, an entire decade of full-time vocational preaching ministry. And in 10 years of preaching, can I tell you guys about one subject that I never spoke about? Giving. Not in 10 years, I never preached on giving. To be honest with you, I was afraid to preach on giving. I didn't want to preach about money. Because if you're like me and you did grow up in church, I grew up as a pastor's kid. And even though I didn't live the gospel, I heard the gospel as a kid. Somebody else could probably say amen to that, right? And I heard a lot of sermons about money. And to be honest, I don't necessarily know that many of them were very good. I don't know if you guys have heard some good sermons on money or not, but I really felt like they fell into one of two categories or sometimes both, one of which was they just came off too manipulative. You know what I mean? Like they would talk about tithe, they'd talk about offering, it would almost like they would force feed you. 
And they'd almost make you feel bad and shame you if you didn't give in the offering. You guys ever heard a message like that before? I know I've heard a handful, probably more than I need to. And then on the other hand, you know, it's almost like people are too light with it. They don't take it seriously. They don't, you know, that yeah, if you feel like it, if you want to. They don't actually really pull out the strength of God's commandment and in its, as, it, as it pertains to our money in the Christian life. And so when I felt God calling me to talk about finances in 2016, I did not feel equipped. I said, I've heard these messages before. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. But to be honest with you, Lord, I can't do it. I'm young. I mean, I'm 32 years old. And, you know, that's a roadblock for me. And then on the other hand, God, don't you think I ought to have some money before I talk about money? You know what I'm saying? I'm messing with you guys. We, we're, we're very blessed. But that, those, were my two, those were my two fears. You guys take great care of us. I thought, God, you know, I don't have a lot of money and, you know, I'm young. And here's what I realized through my study of Scripture. Because I, I didn't want to preach somebody else's message. Uh, I didn't want to just get content from other people. I wanted to read the Word of God and see what God had to speak about our money. And here's what I realized. That Jesus, he was young and he talked about money a lot. Jesus was not necessarily a rich person in the world's view, but he talked about money a lot. 16 of Jesus' 38 parables were about money. That's almost half of Jesus' sermon illustrations were about money. Now, I don't know how many of you guys would come back to a church if you were attending for a month, and 50% of the sermons were on finances. All he does is preach about money. I can tell you guys this. Jesus would be tweeted about, talked about, written about in the press all the time as one of those preachers that only talk about money. Jesus got unfollowed all the time. When somebody unfollows you on Instagram, just, I'm being more like Jesus. Right? And so I, I realized that. I, I mean, 16 of the 38 parables, are you serious? Are you kidding me? How can this be? Jesus talked about money that much, but we never talk about money. I've never talked about money in 10 years. Is it really important, God? And then as I continue to study, here's what I, here's what I learned. 500 times in the Bible, in the whole Bible, the Bible speaks to us about prayer. How many of you guys would say that prayer is an important aspect of the Christian lifestyle? Yeah. Can I get two good amens? Amen? 500 times in Scripture, the Bible speaks to us about prayer. I also found that 500 times in the Scripture, the Bible speaks to us about faith. How many of you guys say, faith is an important aspect of my Christian life? Amen? 500 times in the Bible. But believe it or not, there are over 2,000 passages of Scripture where the Bible speaks to us about money and possessions. How many of you guys think that, that's just a mind blower right there? Right? Here's what I realized after seeing that. Is that God cares about our money. Or to put it another way, I believe that God cares greatly about our relationship with money. Would you guys believe that? Agree with me? And, 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 and part of the reason why I was scared and through prayer I realized is because the enemy does not want you to hear a good message on finances. He doesn't want you to hear a message about tithe and offering. He doesn't want you to hear a message about financial stewardship. Because what the enemy does is he does his best. He employs his minions to bring tons of confusion around subjects of great kingdom breakthrough. Which is why finances or money is so confusing oftentimes in the church. Is because the enemy doesn't want you to hear a good message on money. If he can have it his way, he wants to keep you broke, busted, and disgusted. Right? But let me tell you guys this. God wants you to be blessed. I found that last year when I was preaching on this message that a lot of Christians, as I interviewed people, put polls out on Facebook, a lot of Christians don't believe that they're supposed to be blessed. Have you guys noticed that? They almost wear their poverty as a badge of piety. Well, it makes me more like Jesus because I don't have anything. But what I realized is, is that God actually doesn't have a problem with you having money. Amen. What God has a problem with is money having you. Yeah. 
So God has a lot to talk about as it pertains to finances and money and stewardship and tithe and offering because how you handle your money says a lot about who you are. Would you guys agree with that? How you handle your money says a lot about your character. Would you guys agree with me about that? And so as I began to preach this message and learn these things and understand these things, I started to share with other people about testimonies that have come into our church. And just the other day, I was sitting down with a friend of mine, and I was sharing with him the message I'm about to share with you, and we were talking about tithing. Everybody just go, ooh, scary, right? Tithing, (laughs) he's going to tackle this, right? This is our foundation sermon series, guys. We're talking about generosity, which is a core value of our house. And it's not just about us asking for your money. It's about us declaring over you that you're called to be blessed. Amen? Amen. So I'm sharing this testimony with my friend. I said, man, I've been learning about first fruits. Everybody say first fruits. I've been learning about the tithe, and I've been learning about how important that is to God. And I know that's a controversial message, but could I share with you some revelation and truth that I've been receiving? He said, sure. He started asking me questions. Now, he was a tither. He was a giver. He's somebody who considered himself to be a generous person. But as I began to break down the first fruits and what I've learned from the Word of God, he said, you know, I feel convicted, Lyle. He said, I think that I need to go home right now and talk to my wife about how we can steward our finances differently, tithe more efficiently, and just be more generous overall. I said, man, that's amazing. That's awesome. That, you know, praise God. You know, I was excited for him. And he went home and he talked to his wife and he texted me the next day. He said, hey, man, I got to share with you a testimony, my brother. I said, yes, sir. What is it? He said, man, I talked to my wife and we decided that we're going to be more generous this year. I said... Wow, man. Great job. You know, I was trying to encourage him. Good job. You did a great thing there, man. That's awesome. He said, oh, no, no, no. That's not the testimony. He said, I got to tell you, man, I had a testimony happen to me today. I I was in church and, and this guy walked up to me and he gave me a holy handshake. You guys know what a holy handshake is? It's when someone shakes your hand, they slip $100 in there. Oh, you, get, you guys ever have one of those before? <laughs> they make your day, you know, you say... Well, this is great. Holy handshake. And um, he said, somebody gave me a holy handshake. I said, oh, man, that's, that's wonderful, man. Praise God. He said, I opened up the check. What happened? He said, the check was written out to me for $30,000. Yeah, that, that was my reaction too. <laughs> when you hear something like that, your first response is be like, Oh, no, he didn't. (laughs) There's this, do you guys get that? Sometimes you feel like this sense of like, why didn't I get a check for (laughs) $30,000? I taught you that. (laughs) But, But how many of you guys know this? Is that whenever God gives something to somebody you're in relationship to, it's a prophetic word for you. Because God gives it to them first to see how you're gonna handle Him giving them the blessing that you've been praying for. Right? Because he said, look, I know you've been praying. I know you've been fasting for this financial breakthrough, but I'm going to give it to somebody who deserves it less because I'm going to see how you respond when I bless somebody who's not been asking for it. Because I want to give you that blessing, but I need to know that you have the character to carry that blessing. So I'm going to give it to them to test your heart because really, guys, that's what money is. It's a test. That's the nature of what money does. It's a test. So he shared with me this testimony. I said, man, that's amazing. That's incredible. $30,000. Are you serious? He said, oh, I'm dead serious, man. $30,000. What? And, you know, then I got spiritual. And I was like, praise God, you know. No, I was happy. I'm just, I'm messing with you guys. That's amazing. Can you believe that? And he said, he said, hey, and, and, and I, I, he was emotional about it. He said, hey, look, listen. He said, I haven't given anything yet. And he wasn't talking about giving on the 30. He was talking about giving anything after our conversation. He said, I feel like God, Lyle, that God is so good that he breathed on the very intention of me becoming more generous in 2017. And he said, that's what I feel like happened, man. I made up in my mind, my wife and I, we sat in bed. We talked about being more generous, about tithing, about about giving and about sharing. And we decided in our hearts we were going to do it the next day. God land blast us with the most generous blessing of our lives. 
Hallelujah. Man, I, I, I really do think that everybody in this room would be all right with receiving a $30,000 blessing. How about you guys? And I think that even the more so, a lot of you guys would raise your hand and say, I would like to give a $30,000 blessing. Amen. Anybody else in here? I'm praying. I'm asking the Lord for that. I said, God, you know, I, I, yeah, I want to be blessed, but I don't want to just be blessed so that I can do what I want to do in my spare time. I mean, that's fun and it will last for a little bit, but I want to be blessed enough to be a blessing. Anybody else in here? That's, I haven't met a Christian yet that does not want to be blessed enough to be a blessing because every Christian I know says to me, I want to be a giver. But here's what I've realized, guys. None of us are natural-born givers. Giving is a learned art form. It's a learned skill. It's something that we learn how to do. Nobody just pops out naturally generous. You ever hung out with a two-year-old? Mine, 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 mine. Everything's theirs. You know, they don't want to share. They don't want to give. You know, none of us are naturally generous. We have to learn how to be generous from God. Because we see in John chapter 3, verse 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And so as we walk with God and we're transformed into the image of his son, Jesus, we become more generous. Because as we become more like God, we begin to give like God. God is generous. Anybody else in here say amen to that? God is a very generous God. He did not withhold his only begotten son. He gave it completely, holistically for you and I. And so the more that we are discipled, the more that we mature in the faith, the more generous that we will be. Amen. Do you guys believe that? God is generous far beyond our ability to imagine. And so as we grow in our walk with God, the more generous we will become because that is his nature. So if we're going to talk about generosity, guys, if we're going to declare that we are a sharing people, we just, we just talked about we are Nashville. Guys, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Honestly, I'm dreaming about a year when we can have a vision night and I can get up here and say, guys, we gave away a million bucks this year. We gave away $20 million this year to, 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 to missionary organizations and we reach people with the gospel and, you know, terrorists run the darkest places on the planet. I have friends who go there and I just want to sow into them. You know, I want to see a city transform, man. I believe with all my heart that money is a genuine response to revival. That, you know, there, 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 in the book of Acts, guys, we see that sharing was the natural response to abundance. And when your spirit is full, you can more easily share your money. But when your spirit feels empty, it, it feels very difficult to let go of your money regardless of how much you have. I believe you can give your way into revival. Because that, that was a natural byproduct of revival. People shared, and there was no poor among them. How awesome would it be if we could say over East Nashville, there's no poor among them. You know how that's going to happen? Not just because you add a zero to your bank account, because you get full of the Holy Ghost. Because the more you're filled with God, the more you're like God, and the more apt you are to give. You guys with me on this? So if we're going to talk about generosity, man, we have to start with something. We have to start with the tithe. We have to start with a principle. Everybody say principle. principle. Because tithing is not a law. Amen? I'm, I, I want to preach this to you the way God gave it to me. Is that all right? Okay. So tithing is not a law. I think a lot of people, you know, have said that and tried to manipulate or abuse or control people, but tithing is not a law. Tithing is a principle, okay? You don't have to tithe. Could I be bold as a pastor and tell you, you don't have to tithe? You get to tithe if you choose to. It's an invitation. And tithing is not a law. Tithing is life to those who do it. The tithe or the word tithe in the Hebrew and Greek literally means a tenth. That's what it means. It means a tenth. And to tithe means to give a tenth of your annual produce or your earnings to God. And as I studied the scriptures, I've learned that anytime the Bible talks about tithing, it doesn't make a passive suggestion, but the Bible actually speaks strongly about tithing to the people of God. Check out Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8. This is an interesting passage of scripture to me. 
Because it's such a strong passage of scripture. It says, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. God makes it very clear here in Malachi 3 and 8. If we keep the tithe to ourselves, we are robbing God. Is it okay if I say that this morning? That's what Malachi says. And when I share that passage of scripture with people, I'm usually met with the exact same reaction. Well, eh, that's Old Testament. And you know what? It is. That's a common response. It is Old Testament. But in the very same chapter of Malachi, the scripture also says, verse 6, I am the Lord. I do not change. It's an interesting place to put that. Tithe? What? No. Nah. I am under grace, preacher. Not going to tithe. That's law. I am under grace. I do not have to tithe. Well, one of the things we need to understand when making that statement is that there were a lot of things that were under the law that continue to be principles with God under the new covenant. Amen? And we should ask ourselves the question, if something was right under the law, is it now wrong under grace? Or how about this? If something was wrong under the law, is it now right because we have grace? The, the Bible teaches us very clearly in the Old Covenant we shouldn't kill people. Could get two good amens there. Right? But so now that grace has come along, does that now nullify the law completely? How many of you guys know it's still wrong to kill people? So because something was wrong under the law, does it now become right under grace? Well, bless God, I'm under grace. Okay. So... If something was right under the law, does that mean it's now wrong because we're in the new covenant? No. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm looking for here. <laughs> no. <laughs> right? It's not about a law, guys. It's about a principle. There are eternal principles with God, and tithing is actually an eternal principle. Tithing preexisted the law. Tithing came before the law. We see tithing happening before and after the law of Moses. We see tithing actually happening in Genesis chapter 4. In the very first book of the Bible, long before the Ten Commandments had been given, long before there was a Torah, long before there was a law of Moses, long before any of these things had been written, the tithe, the principle of the tithe, was actually in full swing. I want you to open your Bible. If you have it, real quick, we'll show it on the screen as well. But if you want to read it in your hand, Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. This is the principle of the tithe. It says, in the course of time. Everybody say, in the course of time. In the course of time. It's very important that we recognize that. Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn. Everybody say, firstborn. It's important that we recognize that. Firstborn. One of the things that you'll notice in the Old Testament scripture is that God emphatically says, Yahweh says that the firstborn belongs to me. Right. Amen? Which is why he could take the firstborn of the Egyptians when the exodus happened. Because they already belonged to God. God made, he made a law. He said, hey, the firstborn belongs to me. He also said, the first fruit belongs to me. That's what God said. It belongs to me. It is mine. And what happens when you gave your, your firstborn, let's say, for instance, you were a goat farmer, you had, you know, your first goat, and you gave the firstborn to God, right? What happens? God says, well, I'm then going to redeem the rest of your goats. You know what that means? Is that before you gave that first goat, there was no blessing on your flock. But when you gave that first goat, the blessing fell upon all the rest of them. See, that's the principle of the tithe. When we give of our first fruit, when we give of our firstborn, when we give of our tithe, what happens is supernatural blessing falls on the rest of our money. So the question I have to you is, would you rather have 100% of your money anointed by the spirit of mammon or 90% of your money anointed by the supernatural power of God? Okay. And the Lord had... This is important. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was angry and his face fell. 
How many of you guys would say, that's, that's, that's very interesting. Why would God respect Abel's offering but not Cain's? Why would that happen? The Bible is very clear to tell us that Abel brought the firstborn of his flock, but it does not say that Cain brought the first fruits of his crops. It also says that in the course of time, we read that all together. So in other words, Cain's, Cain grew his crops, and then in the course of time, when he got around to it, he decided to bring an offering to the Lord. He didn't bring his first fruits. And that is exactly why, guys, God did have no respect for his offering. Abel, on the other hand, brought the firstborn of his flock. And God said, this offering I accept because you gave me the first. And there's a lesson in this for us, guys. And it's not on how much we give. Because it wasn't about whether or not we gave fruit or, you know, we gave a, a, a lamb. See, it's not important how much you give. Because God's not looking at the dollar amount that you drop in the bucket or you give through push pay. That doesn't matter. God's looking at the heart. Because what we give is not important. Why we give it is. And so God was looking at the heart there. And when we give of the first of our first fruits or our tithe, God receives and respects that offering greatly. The tithe is your first fruits and the tithe must be first. Now, I know that there is some confusion about tithe. You know, well, when should I tithe? And I hope it's okay I'm sharing this practically with you guys. When should I tithe? You should tithe anytime you get an increase. Because that's produce, and so the first fruits of that belong to God. Anytime you get an increase, anytime you make any money, the first fruits of that belong to God. They're holy to God. Amen? Amen. That's, that's, that's the word. Exodus chapter 23 verse 19 says this. Here's also, a, I think, a subject of confusion in the church. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Did it say to sow your tithe into a charity? Did it say to sow your tithe into a missions movement? No. It said to bring it into the house of the Lord your God. The Bible actually designates the house of the Lord as the proper place to give first fruits. Your tithe belongs in the house of the Lord. Your offering, you can send it wherever you want, wherever God says to. But that's where the first fruits belong. They belong in the house. We don't, get, we don't give them to support missions. The tithe, we can do that through the church. Yes, we give. We as a church tithe. A part of that goes to other churches, church planting movements, missionary movements. We do that. But as individuals, as, as, as members of this body, this family, that's where we sow our first fruits. We must always give to the Lord's house first. Exodus 23, 19. And so in order to teach this effectively about first fruits, I, I realize this is kind of a tough one to swallow, you know, for, for, for some because tithing has been taught uh, so erratically, I think, in, in, in some instances. I want to give you guys an illustration. So I'm going to ask Philip and Asaph to help me because today I'm going to do something very fun and very interesting to illustrate my point. Hopefully it's interesting. Today I'm going to become a fruit farmer. So um, oranges specifically is... Anybody else like oranges in here? I do too. They're great. So fun. So today I'm going to be a fruit farmer, and I am going to farm oranges. So got some oranges up here. We're not going to be sacrificing anything despite the fact I have a large knife. And what I'm going to lay out here for, a, for an illustration to hopefully just get the point is I'm going to put out here 10 oranges, 2, 4, 6, 8, and 10. Now, what... These oranges are, they are the fruit of my labor. You might say it like this. These oranges are my paycheck. Because as a fruit farmer, I labor so that I can produce this. And this is what I have. It's Friday. It's payday. And I have 10 oranges here. This is the result of all of my hard work. I've worked this week for 40 hours, 50 hours, 60 hours, man. I know some of you guys work a lot. I work a lot on my oranges. I want them to be beautiful and ripe. Look at these guys. Wow, just so delightful. So this is the fruit of all of my work, okay? So I have, I have 10 of these here. 
And uh, I, I, you know, I want to be a good Christian. I learned I, at church about tithing. I went and heard Lyle's message on Sunday morning at Legacy Nashville. And so I understand a tenth of this income right here is holy, and it belongs to the Lord. And since I'm a Christian, I, I, you know, I really want to um, steward my oranges in a very godly manner, my income here. You know, I have this 10. And so what I want to do is I want to show you guys an illustration as to statistically how most Christians tithe. Now, here's a question I have for you guys. How much is the tithe on this fruit? There's 10 oranges. How much is the tithe? One, right? You guys got that right. And so based upon uh, statistics, I'm going to give you guys an illustration of how most Christians tithe. We all said, hey, one of these oranges, one of the 10, 10%, right? That's the tithe, right? So it's Friday. It's payday. Friday, I love Friday. How many, how many of you guys love Friday? You know why I love Friday? Date night. I love date night. Woohoo! Date night is the best because we get to go to a nice restaurant, and I'm going to take my wife to Pinewood Social because she likes that, and I like that, and we're going to bowl. And so uh, it's kind of expensive. It's Nashville after all. So, you know, we're going to spend two of those oranges right there. And then uh, I realized, man, it's Friday. We haven't paid our mortgage yet. It's the 16th. We better pay our mortgage. Mortgages, have you bought a house in Nashville? Those things are expensive. Man, that's, I tell you what, man, my mortgage, man, it's taking a lot of my money. And, uh, and I have AT&T, and I'm on Instagram a lot, so my data fees are high, and so I better pay, uh, you know, I better pay my phone bill. So I better put that in there. And then uh, we need some gas. We need some groceries. Man, my God, we got two kids. Eee, it's expensive, right? Man, I'm kind of running out of money here. And uh, it's Saturday night, and I forgot I committed to going out to eat with my friends, and they want to go to Virago. And, man, that sushi is good, but it is costly. And uh, so I'm like, yeah, I don't want to go. I don't have a lot of money left. I've already spent so much of my paycheck, but I guess I'll go anyway and, you know, Get, yeah, I'm going to put that on a credit card. I need the cash. And so that's there. And, uh, you know, and now Sunday morning's here. Dude, it's Sunday. Oh, they're, taking, they're passing out those legacy buckets. I, I know I need to tithe. I want to tithe. I want to tithe. I want to be a generous person. I, I don't have that much left, so... Bless it, Lord. God, he understands. He sees, he sees the situation that I am in. He knows my heart. See, that's not called tithing. That's called tipping. That's, that's, that's what that's called. It's called tipping. So we, we can't call tipping tithing. Now, let's just pretend, for instance, we get these out of here, these out of here, these out of here. Get them all back out. We got our 10, all right? Replace that one. I got 10 oranges. But let's say, for instance, instead of cutting that one up, I would have thrown it in the bucket. Right? Did I tithe? Did I tithe? I, I, I gave one of the ten. You know, I had two left there. The offering bucket came around. I gave one to God. Did I tithe? It's a good question, huh? Did I tithe? Let me ask you guys this. Is it possible to give a full 10% and still not be tithing in accordance with God's principle? It is. So... Ten fruits. How much is the tithe on this fruit? Okay. Which one? Which one's the first? This one? This one? Oh, the, the best one. The one that's the most round. Wow, that's the best one. Nope. You know which one is the tithe? It's the first one that I spend or give away. That is the principle of the first fruits. Because it takes no faith to pay God last. And so when you give of your first, you give the firstborn of the first fruits. And then the blessing lands on the rest of them because you redeemed the whole by giving to God 
his portion. That is what tithing is. That is what first fruits is. It's not just giving 10%, but it's giving God his portion first. That's what tithing is. Guys, tithing is a test. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think that there's any greater test for the Christian life than to speak to somebody about lordship and ask them to tithe. Honestly, we, we, you know, we come to the front, we worship with our hands lifted. We say, God, you can have it all. I give my life to you. Okay, tithe. Well, it's Old Testament. See, I believe with all my heart, man, when God has your money, he has your life. I mean, Asa quoted that scripture about, you know, where your heart is, your treasure will be also. And I know that when God has our money, he has our life. I believe that for myself. And I think there's a huge test in that. You remember in the beginning when I said money is a big test? You guys remember that? Well, did you, did you know that the number 10... 10%, the tithe. Did you know that that number 10 is representative of testing in the Bible? Think back with me for a minute. How many plagues were in Egypt? 10. Meaning, how many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? 10. How many commandments are there? Or, in other words, how many ways is our obedience tested? 10. How many times did God test Israel while they were wandering in the wilderness? 10. How many days was Daniel tested in the first chapter of the book of Daniel? Ten. How many times did God test Jacob's heart by allowing his wages to be changed while he was working for Laban? Ten. This continues in the New Testament. In Matthew 25, ten virgins had their preparedness tested. And ten days of testing are mentioned in Revelations chapter 2, verse 10. And then we all know that Jesus had ten disciples. Just kidding, he had 12, but I was just testing you. Wait a minute. Here's the thing, guys. You don't have to tithe. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to twist your arm too, and, and we're not taking up an offering after this. The purpose of this message is not to get money because God doesn't need your money, but you need to be blessed. Tithing is a test of the heart, and it's an invitation. It's an unchanging principle. And here's what the Bible says about tithing in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. This is the scripture I want you to take home with you today. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 says this. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see... Now, here's the thing, guys. For all of you guys that have been wondering, man, I, I heard your message, Lyle. I've been thinking about that. I've been considering tithing. I've been, I, you know, I'm thinking I might try that out. God actually invites you to test him with the tithe because he said, test me in this. It's the only time in the passage of scripture where God says, hey, I want you to test me in this. Test me. Tithe and see what happens because test me and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. That's what Malachi 3 and 10 says. It's the scripture. This is what God says. Hey, test me in this. You want, you, why don't you just try this for 90 days? If you feel to, if you want to. Like I said, my, my heart in sharing this message with you guys is to tell you, as a culture, as a church, as a family, we are endeavoring to be a generous people. And I believe as your pastor that generosity starts with the tithe. With everything in me, that's what I believe. Tithing is not a law. Tithing is a principle. And so I just want you to consider today this being your invitation to tithe. And here's what I want you to do as you stand. If you don't mind to stand up. I want to ask you to ask yourself one question. I want you guys to uh, ask yourself one question. And it's a simple question. But if you don't mind, just close your eyes, bow your head. in a posture of prayer. Can I, can I say this? If, if in any way possible, I've hurt your feelings in any way by talking about money, forgive me. It's not been my intention. I, I simply wish to obey God and share his word to the best of my ability. 
I love you and I want you to be blessed. And I know that receiving this has been a tremendous blessing to my wife and I. But here's what I want you to ask yourself in this place of prayer. Is this message from God? Just ask the Lord that. Is this from you, God? Just, it's a simple question. Is this message from God? And if, and if you hear a yes, if you hear a yes, I'm not, I'm not saying you have to. I'm just saying if you hear a yes, ask a second question. How am I to respond? How am I supposed to respond? Those are the questions that I, I just want to leave you guys with today. Instead of praying over you to finish, and you can lift your heads if you'd like. Instead of praying over you to finish, I'm actually going to invite Pastor Diana to come, our children's pastor. And our kids are going to pray over you today. How fun is that, huh? Our kids are going to pray over you. They're going to release some declarations over you. So Pastor Diana and the kids, go ahead and come on up. And uh, they have a surprise for you guys. I know that you're going to love it so much. So as Diana comes, would you guys just give these kiddos a big round of applause and bless them as they come up? Hi, guys. These are the kiddos. Um, We have a special surprise for you guys. Oh, Liam's coming too. Cool. All right. Cool. Um, So we have been talking about declarations in 2017. We've started making declarations because our words are powerful. And so we were making declarations over ourselves and over our families. And we started making this new declaration. And last week we learned about Joshua and the battle of Jericho and how God's people were stuck in the wilderness. And the only way that they could get out of the wilderness and into the promised land was to march and make declarations with praise and worship with their trumpets. So we made our little trumpets today and we are going to declare these, these breakthrough anointings, these, these things over, and we have more, um, um, over you guys and your finances in this, this faith season of first time, first fruits, whatever it is that we would be generous and that God would bless us big. So we, as the, the first fruits of legacy, like a, a building of legacy that we are kids are going to make declarations over you guys. So I'm going to read these declarations and the kids are going to repeat after me. And I would love for you guys to just get into receive mode, whatever that looks like for you to receive and truly believe that these declarations are going to be released over your life, over your spirit, over your finances. Cool. Okay, guys, eyes on me, eyes on me over here. Okay, can you see me? Okay, I'm gonna stand off to the side so you can see me. I'm gonna hold my trumpet over here. Okay, ready? (laughs) Good listening, Liam. Okay, we are believing you for heaven opened, earth invaded, storehouses unlocked, and miracles created. Dreams and visions. Angelic visitations. Declarations. Impartations. And divine manifestations. Good job. Anointings. Giftings and calls, positions and promotions, provisions and resources. Oh, this is a good one. To go to the nations, souls and more souls from every generation. Saved and set free. Carrying kingdom revelation. Thank you, Father. That as I join my value system to yours, 
You will shower. Favor. Blessings. And increase. Upon me. So I may have more than enough. To co-labor with heaven. Good job. And see Jesus. Get his full reward. to march okay so while we're marching we're gonna march all the way around the room just like Jericho so follow teacher Ashley right here let's march show me your marching feet we're marching around our church march 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 And then we're going to blow our trumpets over you. They're marching. It's great. <laughs> Their feet are smaller than the last service, so it may take a little bit longer. But it's worth it for the fullness. <laughs> Come on up, guys. We're going to blow our trumpets. We're going to blow our trumpets in victory. Are you ready? Give me your biggest, loudest, best trumpet blast on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. <laughs> Yay! Thank you so much, guys. And here we have Steven to close us out. Let's give the kiddos a hand one more time. Just to close you guys out today, um, just wanted to emphasize what they so just did. Because I mean, everything we teach the kiddos is truth. And so I just ask uh, and encourage all of you to grab on to what declarations the Father's placed on your heart, what words have been spoken over your life, because the things he speaks over you is fact. It's not just an opinion to make you feel good, but it's how he views you, how the kingdom of heaven views you. So to close it out, just think of whatever declaration, prophetic word, or scripture that's standing out, hold it over your heart and just declare that over yourself. In Jesus' name, we just declare every word that you have spoken over our lives and we claim those father and we will walk in that in jesus name we'll walk in your provision and walk in your freedom father as your children we love you father and name we pray amen, amen. all right to remind you guys uh on Saturday, we are Nashville, so everyone who can make it out to that, and then dinner parties are coming up soon. If you want to host or join one, you can sign up outside at the meeting hall, and you guys are blessed. Have a good day. Ministry team, if you could come on forward. If anybody needs prayer or uh, feels a tug on their heart from the Holy Spirit, please come, and we'd love to pray for you guys as well. Have a great week. <laughs>